Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. From toxic to divine masculinity. I did a podcast episode a couple of months back on toxic versus divine femininity, and this episode is the complement to that one. So what is toxic masculinity and what things and ideas in our modern culture are toxic to masculinity? So the common definition of toxic masculinity would seem to be a good thing gone bad, meaning some of the archetypal qualities we consider to be masculine are exaggerated or perverted to the point of being out of balance. And look, generally, I would have scoffed at this notion of toxic masculinity as just being an aversion to that more archetypal masculine. But when I did more research and I looked into it, I thought, okay, look, there are some valid characteristics of this perversion or even lack of masculine energy. Like the toxic masculine, I would say, is lacking masculine energy. And same thing with the beta male version, is lacking masculine energy. So let's go into a clearer definition of you know what is the toxic masculine. I've already gone on at length about beta males. I've got some great episodes on that. And then let's get into what is the divine masculine. So some of the traits of toxic masculinity have been described as men acting tough and macho who have trouble accessing deeper emotions and they might even consider the show of emotion to be weak with anger as the exception that emotion is okay to show using domination and aggression to get their way which can sometimes lead into violence having trouble asking for help or seeking any kind of positive growth in their lives indulging in destructive behaviors like alcohol. And there was a 2007 study that found that men who were more inclined to reflect and appreciate these masculine norms were also more likely to engage in risky behaviors. And these were classified as heavy drinking, smoking, and get this, avoiding vegetables. <laughs> so this study is called Macho Men and Preventive Healthcare Implications for older men in different social classes. And I've seen this as well, the idea that it's not masculine to do any kind of self-betterment and it's super cool to destroy yourself instead. So then so there's this unwillingness to look after their health or engage in any kind of preventative medicine or self-care practices. And there was another study in 2011 that found men who had strong ideas about masculinity were 50% less likely than men with moderate beliefs about masculinity to get preventative health care. 
And this is one that I actually found the most interesting, and it's around the notion of what's been called helping behavior. And this is taking a stand or intervening when they see someone being abused, assaulted, or some other kind of injustice. So men in the more toxic category actually moved away from this notion of helping. And so this is a quote from Amy Morin, and she's written an article called What is Toxic Masculinity? And she says that this means that they are not likely to intervene when they witness bullying or someone they see being assaulted. A 2019 study found that toxic masculinity can prevent men from consoling a victim, calling for help, and standing up to the perpetrator. Men who endorsed the belief that men should be strong and aggressive were more likely to perceive negative social consequences associated with intervening as an active bystander. In instances of sexual assault, for example, men who identified the most with masculine behaviors were less likely to stop the assault. The study found that men would intervene in any conflict if they thought their reputation as being traditionally masculine might be compromised. So I found this quite shocking, actually, and well, rather fascinating because I've actually been around a few men like this. And I thought it was really bizarre that in the face of actual conflict and the opportunity to take a stand, they cowered like little fucking bitches. <laughs> and so knowing some of their history and the cycle of abuse, I'd say that this is their own PTSD kicking in. They've been abused and then they freeze. So they dissociate in a situation where they see and could possibly stop violence. But even so, it was still odd. Like these guys, you know, put on a really good show and talked a good game. And yet when it came down to it, they were actually cowards. So sexually speaking, these men, I would say, would be selfish lovers. They're the kind of guys who think and talk in terms of conquesting with women. They're likely premature ejaculators and good sex to them is if they have an orgasm and it's irrelevant if anyone else does. Instead of realizing the value of a good and very well-fucked woman in his life, he thinks that using women is where it's at. And then we have the vilification of the masculine entirely, and in recent years, the glorification of the beta male. And I did a podcast episode on this last year called Alpha Males versus Beta Males, and a video on the beta male variant, very, very invasive, and my thoughts on betas overall, which in essence are that women don't want them either. <laughs> no, no woman is going weak in the knees for the asexual, dainty, effeminate male who is good at talking, but not any good at fucking or fighting or working, or you get the picture. So God Saad, the Canadian professor who speaks on evolutionary psychology and is a frequent Joe Rogan guest, makes references to the animal behavior to show how things happen in nature. And he says, Female fiddler crabs and hens prefer males with extravagantly large claws and tails, respectively. Ewes, i.e. female rams, will mate with the ram that wins the brutal intersexual head-butting contest. And you see this in animals all over the place, from hippopotamuses to whales. And so they reward targeted aggression by granting sexual access. 
Needless to say, there are innumerable other examples of sexual selection that I might describe, but I suspect that you get the general gist. Are rams exhibiting toxic masculinity? Are female fiddler crabs succumbing to antiquated notions of masculinity as promulgated by by the crab patriarchy? He goes on to say, let's now apply the exact same evolutionary process, sexual selection, to humans. Evolutionary psychologists have documented universal patterns of mating preferences that are invariant across time and place. In no culture ever studied have women repeatedly preferred to mate with pear-shaped, low-status, tepid men possessing high-pitched nasal voices. In no documented culture do women's sexual fantasies revolve around granting sexual access to unemployed, unambitious men who occupy the lowest stratum of the social hierarchy." Yeah, so nobody wants to fuck a beta male. I mean, a woman might fuck one if she's been indoctrinated with some kind of liberal arts ideology, if she's got a ton of lube slathered on to make it happen, but no woman is getting wet and weak in the knees for betas. So what we're looking for then is something that we're going to call the divine masculine or the archetypal masculine, the male figure we find in myths and legends, stories of bravery and strength than heroic courage. And the thing is, it's not the in-between of the toxic masculine idea and the beta male. He's in a class all on his own. So what does this man look like? All right, so let's begin with this. He is the protector of the realm. And so this is in your you know, movies where you see heroic men and knights and warriors, you know, they are the protectors, the defenders, they defend the kingdom, they defend your honor. These men are strong and capable physically, they have courage. He deals with conflict as it comes to him. He doesn't shy away. So a couple of years ago, I did a podcast called BDE or Big Dick Energy, and I interviewed the illustrious Ian Smith. He is the owner of Attilus, the Attilus Gym, I think it's called, in Belmar, New Jersey. And he was one of the first people to defy the lockdowns, the tyrannical lockdowns, the farcical lockdowns that were imposed upon people. And they, he and his partner made this pact and they basically said, until the wheels come off. And so they were, they slept in the gym because they wanted to basically protest and, and not allow the gym to be closed. They kicked the door down when it was barricaded by the cops or the city or whoever decided to do that. They went to jail. They have racked up hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines because they are willing to stand for what they believe in. And look, this in itself makes me want to come. (laughs) Somebody said to me that that guy must be surrounded by gushing pussies because that energy of holding your ground, having principles, having integrity, which we'll get to in a moment, is incredibly, incredibly arousing because it reinforces this notion that all women in the most base intrinsic inner level want to feel is that if I fall, will you catch me? That notion of women pushing against men and testing their men, they want to know how strong is your metal? How much if I, if you get toppled over by the tests of life and the winds of life, will you just fall over and crumble or are you going to stand your motherfucking ground? (laughs) So 
integrity is an extension of that. And this is one, this is probably the defining characteristic of being a man. And there was once a quote that I found, and I don't know the author on Instagram, and it was the most important thing a man can do is exactly what he says he's going to do. (sighs) Yeah. And whenever I post that, repost that, there will be hundreds of women and gushing pussies all in unison saying yes, yes, yes. Because again, it reinforces this notion that you are worthy of my trust. You are worthy of my surrender. If your word is everything, you keep your word, you know, that makes us know as women that we can trust you and feel good about trusting you. You are worthy of our submission. Sexually speaking, this man would be a generous lover. He would have, he's a super cock. He's got solid erections. He has a heavenly and wild cock that can go the distance and fuck her into oblivion because that's what a super cock does. He's got mega stamina, full control. He can be in the wildest position sexually and he holds his own. He doesn't just pop one out. Oops, sorry, babe. Oh, I did it again. Oh, oops, I did it again. The cum fairy made me do it. And then that's the end of it. And he rolls over and goes asleep. No, 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 no. He knows that a well-fucked, multi-orgasmic, vaginal orgasm-having woman is his secret weapon, and he ensures that he gets her over that edge and keeps her as a well-fucked woman. And I often say that that old adage that's saying, behind every good man is a woman, uh, no, au contraire, it is behind every good woman is a man on his knees, ferociously thrusting and giving her everything he's got. Because when he does that, she becomes the most loyal, supportive, gorgeous, easygoing goddess of a woman when she's well fucked. So he also is very sexually curious and open, meaning he's open to new ideas, new techniques. How can we make our sex life even better? He's willing to put in the time and the energy and plenty of orgasms into their sex life. Emotionally speaking, he is in touch with his feelings and his default isn't just anger. He can articulate and express his emotions I've met actually a lot of alpha males in my, because that's pretty much the only men I get involved with, who have these massive cocks and hearts, right? Massive hearts. Like they're very, you know, they can be strong and very intimidating, but they have these big hearts. They'll cry at sensitive movies, you know, like really beautiful. It's like this pendulum swing where they can access. and And I think this is actually a thing is that when you can access your extreme of either side, like your extreme masculine, you can also access your, your inner deep divine feminine at the same time. So he's open to all of these deep and penetrating conversations about your relationship. And even though some notions of this, you know, conscious relationship idea might be new to him, he's open to the ideas. He's willing to talk about them, to implement them, to try new things, watch videos, listen to podcasts and try new exercises and sexercises. 
in the realm of self-care, I mean, self-care is self-love. And if a man isn't eternally oppressed and hating himself and wallowing in his own unresolved shit, then he's dealing with it. And this means exercise, working out, having some kind of sporting lifestyle that's a way of life, a way of being. He eats well, he's passionate and you know discerning about the things that he puts into his body and that he puts his body into. He's invested in healing himself and he realizes that this is a worthwhile endeavor where in that toxic state, this is totally devalued. That notion of any kind of evolution of the self is really, really devalued. So the modern man doesn't just slay physical enemies, but he does this with his own internal demon hunting. So these practices could run the gamut from being into ice baths to really healthy organic food and nutrition to meditation. He might have a coach or a men's support group. And this brings us into having healthy male role models and peers. So his brothers and his peers challenge him to do and be better. And they call him out on his bullshit and they don't enable it. And this is one thing I've seen immensely in this toxic male sort of lineage is that enabling behavior is that men will not, these guys do not call each other out on bullshit. They just help each other cover it up, which is really fucking insane. So he has friends and companions who he hangs out with and their primary hobbies are not getting baked and watching television and playing video games. They do things. They do physical things together. They push each other to be the highest versions of themselves. And this is what friends actually do, right? Friends will be in my version of friends and not just enablers that you hang out with is like people who will call you out on your bullshit. They'll do it compassionately, but honestly, and help you to see your blind spots. I mean, that's what friends are for, at least in my reality. And fatherhood. He is an active, conscious, and present parent. Look, if a man isn't raising his own children, that is a massive red flag. And I don't give a fuck what the story is and how big a bitch the mother is. It doesn't fucking matter. A man who doesn't raise his children has something seriously wrong with him. Do not overlook this one. And if you're a guy who somehow rationalized why you shouldn't live near your children or be part of their lives in some way, I'm saying you've you've got some massive blind spot on this topic because a divine masculine man, a man who's got any internal sense of his own worth is going to be participating in a massive way in the lives of his children. So like I said, even if you are separated from the mother, you're no longer together. Like I've seen a lot of men through some kind of like wounding of being broken up with, get passive aggressive. And they do that through not participating in parenting the children as though somehow that's going to strike back and hit out at the woman who you know jilted them, right? And so I really, really encourage <laughs> an honest deep dive as, as a man, you know, into a- any and all things around this. And then as a woman potentially dating a man, is not to overlook this. This is a really, really big deal. It's kind of like that idea of dating somebody who's a, what do you call it? Like a serial, I don't like the word cheater, but stepper outer honor, <laughs> like, right? And like there, it's a, it's a behavior pattern that doesn't have integrity. And 
this is even that on steroids, right? Of what's going on there. So regard, you know, ideally we have really healthy co-parenting relationships, which means that you need to have resolved your issues to the degree with your ex that you can be on good, you know, conscious and honest terms with them. So these guys are the kinds of fathers who take very active roles and they strengthen the bond with their children. This is really what their life is all about, you know, in a big way. This starts with being a rock and a protector for his woman during birth, not sacrificing her to the hospital surgery (laughs) butcher cult, but being on the journey to educate both of them on how to be pregnant, to how to birth and raise their babies with sovereignty outside the system and using all of their innate powers to do so. He's the kind of dad that other women look at and it makes them wet and makes their ovaries flutter. So you might be saying, oh, but Kim, women always seem to go for the bad boys. All right. So let's talk about this. And there's definitely some truth here because women being attracted to that bad boy archetype and a sort of devil may care, bold, adventuresome, wild, untamable, does whatever he wants kind of guy. Yeah, damn fucking right they are because there is something inherently sexy in that. And women do definitely want that kind of man to do whatever he wants to their vaginas. But when you couple that with the other traits of the toxic masculine, the blocked emotions, the lack of real integrity, being a two-pump chump, it's a sham. So women will gravitate towards this kind of man more than the nice guy because their pussies are drawing them in. So he looks and feels more like this archetypal masculine energy. And because there's so few of this divine masculine, certainly not portrayed in the media, probably in terms of the people that women even come across, that all they can do is they're like, their pussy senses are tingling, right? There's there's something, this guy's close to that, but not fully, right? So that's the draw is that it's like the best of what they can tune into on this primal level of what feels like that divine masculine. And I would say that these days, the divine masculine is a cultivated effort because most men are going to be growing up with role models that are either in this toxic category or beta category. And right now, gender neutral. And they're going to have to chisel away at the parts of themselves that have had these ideas superimposed upon them that that they've been traumatized into, that they've been programmed into through the conditioning of their upbringing and the culture surrounding them, so that then they birth this divine masculine warrior and supercock for the ages. He's there, and as women, we want him, so give him to us. My eight-week sexual mastery for men's salon is all about this, life and cock power. We cover everything on how to better occupy your masculine strength in and out of the bedroom. The salon opens in the next few weeks and you can sign up for the free preview video series on my site, kimanami.com. Look for sexual savant salons and click on sexual mastery for men. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.